Hello, Femme fans. Before we jump into our amazing interview today, I wanted to remind you of Giving Tuesday. It's right around the corner. For those outside the United States, Giving Tuesday is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving in the United States, which is on November 25th. Giving Tuesday is a day of donating to nonprofits and your community. Wikipedia defines Giving Tuesday as a global generosity movement, unleashing the power of people and organizations to transform their communities and the world. If you're listening to this podcast, and I imagine that you agree with me that improving women's health and wellness will transform communities and the world. So please consider making a donation to Femtech Focus. We are a nonprofit and we rely on your donations to operate. If you think the work we're doing with the podcast, virtual community, market research, and events should continue, then please show your support this month. Just go to femtechfocus.org, click the donate tab, and make your donation. Thank you very much. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. In today's episode, I interview Dr. Cecilia Cateno, Medical Affairs Director of Bayer's Women's Healthcare. Over the last six years, Cecilia has been a key physician at Bayer in their women's health division. She worked on their short-acting contraception as a medical lead for the birth control pill Yaz. She then worked on long-acting contraceptions, including the global launch of the new intrauterine contraceptive and the global lead for the IUD Mirena. Over the past year, Cecilia has led Bayer's strategy for menopause management. Bayer has been doubling down on their women's health strategy with collaborations with period tracking giant Clue, an exclusive license agreement with publicly traded company Dare Biosciences, a collaboration with Evotech to develop clinically validated treatments for PCOS, and a half a billion dollar acquisition of Candy Therapeutics, a UK-based biotech company with a compound to treat hot flashes for women in menopause. If you're a startup looking to partner with pharma giants, Bayer may just be the right partner for you. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Cecilia, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany, really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Because Bayer's making some big moves in women's health, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really excited to be here and share a bit of what we are doing and what we are planning to do. Oh, really happy. Where are you calling in from today? Uh, yeah, so now I'm located in Basel, in wonderful Switzerland. Yeah. Switzerland! Whoa, awesome. Really, really a nice place to be in. You know, I, I started in Bayer in Berlin, but now I'm in Switzerland, in Basel. So just very close to France, Germany, and Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Well, let's kick off this interview with uh, learning more about your background. Where are you from originally? And you are a doctor, so tell us a little bit about your educational journey um, and how did you end up working in women's health? Yeah, definitely. So I am a gynecologist obstetrician by training, 
and I have a huge passion for women's myself. Indeed, you know, when I decided I wanted to be a doctor, I always saw myself as a gynecologist. So no other specialty was an option. Wow. So I am from Portugal and I worked there in clinical practice, both on the private and public sectors. And I was also super engaged in training and educational activities with younger residents and other colleagues. Yeah. So it's interesting because, you know, the daily routine in the hospital it really gave me a very interesting perspective of pharma. So on the one hand, I have experience with my patients, how the treatments and innovation that pharma brings really change their lives and also change the landscape of clinical practice in gynecology. And on the other hand, facing the difficult situations when you really don't have nothing else to offer in situations of very high unmet need, what for a doctor working in the hospital, this means the end, but for a doctor working in pharma, this is just the beginning. And this vision really motivated me to join pharma, willing to contribute with my knowledge and experience to bring additional innovation to women's health, to gynecology, to impact the lives of millions of women instead of one patient at a time. Ah. So be, indeed, being buyer a leader in women's health, I really felt this was the right place to make this dream come true. So then, I, yeah, so, so then I, I joined Bayer in 2015, first in the short-acting contraceptives team, then moved to long-acting contraceptives. And I'm recently uh, working on a project, a new project in menopause management. And in all my roles within Bayer, I was always very much engaged in educational activities, both for healthcare providers and for patients. You know, during my time in the hospital, I saw how important it is to provide patients with accurate and understandable information about their condition, about management options, so they can have effective discussions with their healthcare providers and then have a joint decision-making, which is really important. So this is particularly important in, the, in women's health because we have so many myths and misperceptions around so many topics, common topics like menstruation, contraception, menopause, which are really a barrier to proper medical care. So here I am full of motivation to to contribute to changing this situation. I love that. Well, mm -hmm. let me just like, take our listeners back a quick second. One of the things you said that I can really relate to is, you know, being a physician in like the emergency room or the clinic or whatever, you have one patient at a time. You're making impact, but it's like one patient at a time. But when you are working at a pharmaceutical company, it's like literally you could potentially change the lives of every woman on earth for generations, right? Like that's huge in fact. And it reminds me of when I was a founder of a startup, I had one product, right? Mm -hmm. But then when I became a venture capitalist, I realized, oh my gosh, I can make so much bigger impact because instead of working on only one product, I could invest in 20, right? Mm -hmm. so it kind of sounds similar to that. Um, and it's so motivating to have this kind of feeling that you can really impact the world, this kind of being able to change the world and really impact the lives of a lot of women, a lot of patients is really motivating. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And did you um, at any point feel um, like that transition from being a physician, going to pharmaceuticals, like, was that natural? Or like, did people say, did your friends at work say like, what, you're gonna go work for pharma? Like, what are you doing? No, deliver more babies, you know? Like, how was that transition like to go into pharmaceuticals? Oh, true. And I, I did deliver a lot of babies because I was working in, in the emergency department in obstetrics. So this was really <laughs> my world. 
So we had to do several things and we did uh, obstetrics and gynecology. Yeah, so the days were absolutely diverse. Crazy, and yeah. <laughs> and I really liked the contact with patients. But you know, it all comes to me to the why am I here or why I decided to be a gynecologist in the first place. And in the end, my objective was always to really make a difference in the lives of my patients, to really make a difference in the life of my colleagues and try to bring innovation into the field. And that's something that I feel that I'm doing even better or more efficiently here where I am. So for me, it was really a matter of perspective of having done the hospital part. This really gave me the perception of what we need, what we have, what are the patients' needs, the healthcare providers' needs, what we need to further innovate, where can we start innovating more? And that really equipped me with this kind of motivation to then, okay, let's try to make it happen. Let's contribute to make it happen. So I feel that I'm just doing the same from a different perspective. So I don't feel like uh, going back or, or missing. Of course, there are some parts that I miss, yeah. But the, the big objective is straight ahead and I'm really working with full motivation towards it. Amazing. So you are, uh, you know, medical affairs director of Bayer's Women's Healthcare. Can you tell our listeners what is Bayer? I'm sure they've probably actually heard of it, whether they think yeah. so or not. But what is Bayer and what is uh, Bayer Pharmaceuticals? Yeah, that's super. So Bayer is a life science company with core competencies on healthcare and nutrition. So our innovative products support these efforts to overcome big challenges that the world is facing today with population growing and aging of global population. So we aim on the one hand to help prevent and treat diseases. And on the other hand, we also aim to ensure that the world has a reliable supply of high quality food and plant-based raw materials. So we work towards our vision, which is health for all, anger for none, and putting end to hunger and helping everyone lead a healthy life is really our goal, our vision, while at the same time, of course, very importantly, protecting the ecosystems. So that's what we aspire to achieve, guided by our corporate purpose that you might have seen, science for a better life. And in order to achieve this, we have three main business areas. We have crop science, consumer care, and pharmaceuticals, where women's healthcare and my team are integrated. Got it. And pharmaceuticals, is that just drugs or is pharmaceuticals also like medical device and other like healthcare solutions? Absolutely. So it's really a mixture. So we have uh, a lot of um, focus on different areas, cardiology, oncology, hemophilia, women's health, ophthalmology, and also radiology. So also on the diagnostic side. Mm -hmm. And we have several um, aspects of therapeutics being considered not only medications, but also devices, also the digital part. So it's really uh, um, multiple. Um, well, yeah, it's not just drugs. Exactly. All exactly. these different solutions. When did Bayer start to work in women's health? Tell us about that timeline, um, overview of activities Bayer's done for women's mm -hmm. healthcare. Yeah, well, indeed, I like to say that women's healthcare is really in Bayer's DNA, you know? Ooh. Bayer has a super long heritage. Yeah, that, that's true because, you know, we, we have really a long heritage in women's health since the early 60s when the first contraceptive pill was launched. This was produced by Bayer. So this was a really? landmark. Yeah, that's absolutely. so fun. To, okay. All right. Cool, Bear. Nice, nice move, Bear. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, with, with this historical landmark, it was really a, a, a huge um, 
um, invention for women. It had a major impact in society over the last 60 years. It enabled women all over the world to take control of their lives, to invest in education, to plan their families, to empower them. And for six decades, Bayer has been developing innovative contraceptive options, not only short acting, but long acting contraceptives, different methods to broaden the choices for women and to really fulfill the, their different needs because you don't have two women alike. So you really need to make sure that you have plenty of options so that they can have the best solution according to their needs. Yeah. So indeed, women's health is really in the core of, of bias um, activity. And in, in addition to contraception, we also provide therapeutic options for gynecological diseases like endometriosis or heavy menstrual bleeding and also in the field of menopause management. And of course, we have an exciting pipeline looking into addressing further areas of high and met need. So we are really committed to women's health. So it sounds like Bayer, you know, saw the writing in the, in the stars way ahead of <laughs> femtech even being a word. Um, Bayer was producing the first uh, contraception back in the 60s. Do you think that it's been like um, a steady growth of that department or has it kind of recently blown up? Because I feel like people, it's a recent thing, like the last 10 years that people mm -hmm. are realizing that women's health is not, is different than men's health. Um, mm -hmm. And so do you, do you see that there's been like a big growth recently versus like consistently over these six decades? Yeah, I think you have two aspects there. One, on the one hand, you have how contraception has been developed. And this was somehow a continuum of activities that from the launch of the first field, then additional, solution, uh, additional contraceptives were launched uh, in the 60s, 70s, and the history of contraception is very rich and, and long. And mm -hmm. Bayer really had a very important role in bringing new alternatives into the market uh, and supporting further contraceptive choices. But what you refer to in the last 10 years, to me, is a bit different. It really relates to women empowerment and yeah. this willingness to speak out. And it, it was really different before because women's health issues were just not mentioned at all. So mm -hmm. everything was just like normal. It's normal to have pain. It's normal to have heavy periods. It's normal to have to miss school for a week every month. And this yeah. was what we were used to hear from our mothers, grandmothers, and this really changed recently, thanks to a lot of um, education, to women being more empowered to speak, being more educated as well, and losing some of the taboos. There yeah. is still a lot to do, but I feel that the situation is really changing. And, 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 and that's highly motivating. Also for a company like Bayer, we also feel that we have the responsibility to empower women and provide high quality education. And we are really working hard to, to make this happen and to make women's health care issues even more easily discussed than they are. Mm -hmm. So indeed, I think there are wonderful times for women's health and we have so many opportunities now with digital, with femtech, things that we never had before. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really an, an amazing time of growth for, for women and for women's health. One of our arguments at Coyote Ventures, our femtech investment fund is that you know, some people say, well, why is it that there's so many femtech startups now? Like, where were they? And we we believe that it was actually the influx of women in STEM, in sciences, mm -hmm. and medicine, and engineering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, as women became more educated in medicine, biology, whatever, 
Um, and then when the physician or the parent or the grandma said, oh, that pain is normal. You just have to deal with it. These women in STEM said, mm, I actually know something about something and uh, I don't think I have to deal with this, but I'm going to take it in my own hands. So it sounds like that's what you're referring to. Uh, absolutely. So it took us some time. If you look into the 60s, when women started to have access to contraception and being able to plan their families, this was really a time of, of very big change in, 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 in society as well. Because before women would have to be at home taking care of 10, 12 kids, and then they could really plan their lives and get the education they wanted yeah. and get the careers they wanted. So I think this was yeah. really up in a continuum of progress. Oh yeah, the contraception and then women in education and then women in STEM and then now women in femtech. Absolutely. So I think this was somehow a kind of a transition that was made yeah. possible because of contraception as well. Of yeah. course, there were also other uh, aspects which contributed to that. But I think contraception really played a, a very important role. And with Absolutely. that bias, so I'm really proud to be <laughs> part oh, of it. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> well, you know, you were mentioning that Bayer's really, um, you know, passionate about educating women, bringing awareness, empowering mm -hmm. women. Can you tell us more about how they do that? Yeah. Because Bayer sounds like just such a beast of an organization. How, you know, that... I imagine it's just like some giant pill manufacturing company, uh, but it sounds like this is more of a hands-on with the patient. So tell us more about that part. Yeah, no, absolutely. And despite the wide offer of contraceptives and treatments that we have available and that we have developed throughout the years since the 60s, there are a lot of topics and issues in women's health that are still taboos. And, you know, lack of information as well as uncertainty around certain topics in women's health remains. Sometimes you get this uh, result of severe issues being dismissed as normal or simply part of being a woman. Mm -hmm. So then from my experience, there are multiple reasons for that. And that's why I work really hard uh, within Bayer to try to address those. Many of those topics are really uncomfortable to discuss. Nobody really wants to talk about some of these topics like, topics like heavy bleeding or periods or whatsoever. Yeah. And in general, problems below the belt are really not so often addressed. There is often a culture of silence. You don't want to talk about that with your friends. It's really uncomfortable most of the time. And what happens if something is not talked about? It becomes a, a kind of a, a topic that is a, a base for the development of myths, of taboos. And some of which are passed over generations, as, as you were saying, when grandmother said, oh, no, that's normal, that's part of us, you need to cope with that, and you say, no, that's really not what I think. Yeah, you're like, grandma, you weren't allowed to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> grandma, you weren't allowed to vote, so. <laughs> you know what? In, in, my, in my professional life in the hospital, I had so many patients which suffered for years and years with debilitating conditions like heavy menstrual bleeding, and they just coped and accepted the situation. They would not go to parties. They would cancel vacation because they had to be near a, a bathroom to change every two hours. Oh and they God. would say, okay, but my mother says it has always been like this in the family. So you just need to yeah. cope with it as we all did. And they never became really aware that they have a medical condition. Come on, it's really a medical yeah. condition. Yeah, that's why they all had it because it's genetic. Because <laughs> it, it runs in the family. Yeah. So, I, I think from my perspective, one key element is really education. And I strongly believe that with education comes empowerment. As you were saying, these women who could then leave their homes and their kids to go and 
study and be active in STEM and have their own careers, they really, it's, it's really important to bring this education aspect. And we need to educate women and men, not only women, oh, yeah. whenever there is a chance, starting in school with young girls, continuing throughout their lives on topics which will come, but are often not really explained or really um, a part of usual discussions. Like for example, periods like menopause, for example, the more girls and women know about their bodies and their health, the better they can assess when something is not normal, even if their peers or family say otherwise. So we really want to encourage everyone to start the conversation. And that's really a focus for us in Bayer. We do have a team working in educational materials for patients, for healthcare providers in multiple formats, multiple channels. We do several collaborations with different uh, femtech, uh, for example, companies with medical societies to really try to come up with very meaningful activities mm -hmm. and to really encourage women to speak and prepare them to have meaningful discussions with their doctors, with their friends, to address taboos. In the end, this will all start with them. Uh, mm -hmm. And speaking up is the first step towards getting the support they need and the empowerment they deserve. So, oh my gosh, beautiful. so beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Um, do you, so, you know, you're sitting over there in Switzerland. I'm here in the United States. Can you give me a little bit of, um, is Bayer's efforts for the women in Europe mostly for this educational mm -hmm. stuff? Because I can imagine that like trying to get content out to women of the world is a really mm -hmm. big job, but also in the United States, we have, you know, this whole like Christian, you know, don't have sex before marriage. That's the solution. And we have all these issues over here in the States mm. that we're trying to figure out. I know in France, I lived in France, you know, there's breasts on TV. So it's a little bit more comfortable. Like, so can you tell me, is Bayer focused on the women in Europe that are a little bit more okay with their bodies? Or are you guys targeting the US, which women are just totally, we, we have a lot of work to do. Well, the good thing about being a big company like Bayer is that we have really access to all women in the world, theoretically. Yeah. So we have offices and colleagues and teams in the different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And we work really hard with all of them to make sure that we adapt the content and the needs to their specific situation. And this is really interesting. Last year, we did a, a, um, a work stream on heavy menstrual bleeding. So we really wanted to to empower women to talk about their periods. There are so many cultures where menstruation is really a taboo topic, like for example, in India. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to have a, a very big outreach and to really be able to, to reach out to many women as possible. So we worked very closely with our colleagues in the US, in Europe, in Asia, in India, and we got um, materials and videos of patients from those countries talking about their own condition, which was really, very um, enlightening because, you know, an image is really worth more than a thousand words. Yeah. So much better than you just writing or coming up with some statement saying that heavy menstrual bleeding is affecting your life is really to show the patients and show how they are affected and yeah. just make women talk about that. Yeah. So we Instead recorded, of a doctor in like a white coat talking about yeah, your period, it's an Indian woman talking about her period. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, their life it's their experience so we just brought together some patients in brazil in china in germany in the uk patients who had heavy menstrual bleeding who were open enough to be recorded talking to each other and they had so so nice discussions and so meaningful and fun at the same time because you know all these these topics can also be um uh, 
communicated in a nice, fun way. You don't need to be super dramatic and to have all these kind of black and white testimonials. It's about women's health. Most of the topics are with us for our lives. Yeah. But it, it's just a matter of, of really being able to identify when normal is not normal anymore. And maybe you need help and maybe you just need to, to check with your doctor if there is something you can do to have your life back. And that's exactly what we try to do and adapt it to the different cultures. So we always try to do that. And we have a, a huge team supporting us there in the countries, which mm -hmm. is really nice. It sounds like Bayer's history has been in contraception. Um, mm -hmm. And then now I know one, you're the director of uh, menopause management. So is menopause the next wave for Bayer? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's definitely a field of high and met need. And, you know, coming from my experience in the hospital, I was um, responsible for a menopause consultation. And in the early 2000s uh, or before that, uh, hormone therapy was really uh, super usual treatment. So women would start menopause and start taking hormonal replacement treatment and they would be very happy with that. But in the early 2000s, there was a publication where hormone therapy emerged as a potential risk factor for breast cancer and uh, other uh, diseases. And so it was really important or um, there was a, a lot of um, fear from the patient perspective, from some of the healthcare providers perspective and the need to come up with additional options. Mm -hmm. And so we have seen that a lot of women stopped from using hormone therapy. And so this unmet need of coming up with innovation in the field of menopause really came in. Mm -hmm. Coming to what you were mentioning before, that in the last 10 years, women became much more vocal about their own health. I think mm -hmm. menopause is really fitting very nicely. But it came at a bit of a, at a later stage because these super educated women that were really able to talk and they were in their 30s themselves. and 40s and <laughs> probably yes I, I really believe that this is a kind yeah. of a generation movement and we need to to wait a bit more time before menopause really makes it into the the usual discussion mm -hmm. rounds yeah. but I see a, a big need for for um additional um education on menopause as well you know, no one really prepares women for menopause. You now have, like my, my daughter, I, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and she started to get uh, in her, like, sixth grade, they started to talk about periods, about puberty, about changes. And so she was super prepared and super, for her, it was super normal and natural, yeah. so really no deal. But for menopause, you really don't get the the menopause talk or no one really prepares okay when you are 50 then this will come then you will feel like that then you might want to consider this or that and I think that's something that you really need to change and, and I believe it is changing already now with yeah, this yeah. new generation of women who are really there to speak and to support and to bring these topics up I, I think that's really a very good time for, for women's health. And I think actually, I know I kind of said, oh yeah, the women in STEM are, are now aging into menopause, but, and that might be true, but I bet also that, you know, women like me, I'm 30, I'm mm -hmm. so vocal about women's health and innovation in women's health that my own mom started to tell me about menopause and yep. she apparently went through it three years ago. And like, we never talked about it. It was just not mm -hmm. a something that we, but then she listened to my podcast and now she's, <laughs> she feels empowered to like talk a little bit more about it. Right. And so it may not be the women in STEM hitting menopause yet. It may also just be like 
they are so loud that their own mothers are now relating and like yeah. and uh we us young younger version our millennials we're the very loud <laughs> that are our, our, our mom's health <laughs> Absolutely. And I think this really has the power to energize and engage also the previous generations to to speak up and to share their own experiences. You know, we did a a super interesting um, work stream some years ago where we brought together uh, women who had started taking the pill when it was available and their daughters. So we had like pairs of mothers and daughters talking about contraception and how important this was in their lives. And it was so nice. And it's powerful to see how these mothers were so empowered to talk about how contraception changed their lives and how they want to also uh, share this with their daughters. It's really interesting to see how generations can really, um, in the end, make themselves feel comfortable with topics that were not comfortable at the time. Yes. Man, at this rate, we're going to be talking about periods at breakfast, you know, like we're going to So one thing I'm really excited about with Bayer is your interest in working with startup, a collaboration with Clue. So mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners what is Clue? We did interview Ida Ten, and it's an episode back in January. You also look it up. But in the meantime, real quick, tell us what Clue is and what is your collaboration with them? Yeah, super. Yeah. So indeed, I think our collaboration with Clue is really a great example of following what we were mentioning about the need to educate women and to really increase awareness and empowerment. So Clue is a period tracking app. They have around 10 million users, so it's really huge worldwide. So it's not only in the US, it's really worldwide. And so users can track their symptoms and receive evidence-based information on hormones and contraception. And this collaboration with Clue came uh, based on the fact that we are in the end working towards the same objective, is empowering women about their bodies and contraceptive options so they can make informed choices and choose what is best for them based on everything that's available. And where we provided a grant for development of content of a number of posts and articles and podcasts uh, in the field of contraception. And the content was only disease awareness. So of course there was no product related content and it was exclusively developed by Clue. So Bayer was really not uh, interfering by any means. Mm -hmm. And with this collaboration, we really joined forces and offered high quality content to a broad group of users, raising awareness on different options and fostering knowledge to support them to do the right choices. And, and to have meaningful discussions with their doctor. So it's really a, a win-win situation where we can really increase awareness and really increase your outreach. So coming up to this dream or this situation to help of women at the same time, um, Femtech really have this um, kind of potential, which is really, really great. Absolutely. Does Bayer um, have goals to just produce new technologies in-house or is it more of an acquisition strategy I don't know if you can speak to that because you know we have a lot of startups listening and they you know the dream is to be bought by Bayer right so can you tell us about uh, if you can a little bit about the strategy there for Bayer or what you're looking for or excited about Yeah, well, I can only share my own medical perspective to that. So we we do have some uh, colleagues in the digital team, which could for sure be much more precise when it comes to the strategy. 
but I think that our objective is really to find partnerships and collaborations within the main fields of, of relevance where we see also more unmet need. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that from a buyer perspective, we are definitely open to look into collaborations, into possible joint work streams mm -hmm. to really make this come true. And we are actively um, looking for, for these kind of partnerships. I think the power of collaborating and joining efforts is really important to yeah, to achieve more and to really join efforts. Absolutely. So that's, that's a very important part. Yeah. So a startup might be three people. Bayer is, I don't even know how many employees you have, right? How does the startup get in touch with y'all uh, to see if that's a, something of interest to you? Yeah, so we do have a, a, a program, which is uh, the grant for apps. And within this program, we have several startups and small companies, which are then integrated into the buyer environment mm -hmm. and and I, I would see this as a a good way to get in contact and then to yeah. to to see what kind of opportunities might come yeah perfect well this has been such an awesome interview we have two last questions that mm -hmm. our listeners really love the first question is if somebody wanted to start a femtech startup what's an mm -hmm. area in women's health and wellness that still needs more innovation Mm -hmm. Yeah, so again, from my own medical perspective, since I'm not really a true femtech expert, <laughs> I think uh, that there is in general uh, in society a perception that some topics related to women's healthcare are this part of being a woman and so mm -hmm. normal, but this is really not the case. And as we were mentioning, normal stops when periods are so heavy and hot flush is so severe that you cannot have your life anymore. So it is really important that women are confident and aware uh, of the options they have and empowered to speak. Mm -hmm. And here is where I see Femtech really coming into play. I think, you know, the use of cycle trackers started when I was still in the hospital. At that time, it was really the beginning. It really contributed to an easier dialogue and understanding the clinical conditions better. You know, before women used to, to, to bring some dates on an agenda, and you would ask, uh, when was the last period? How was it? Did you have pain? And they, oh, I don't remember anymore, or I'm confused. And uh, having all this information so easy to, to access, to show to the doctor and to capture all the different perspectives of the menstrual cycle really helped with diagnosis and in starting the conversation. And nowadays, Femtech offers much more. So this really exploded. And it's a very important platform for therapeutic solutions, for educational and disease awareness. So I think there is a, a, a huge uh, potential within Femtech that, that I think can even be magnified by collaborations with pharma, for example, that we can find the same, um, we often have the same aim mm -hmm. and finding a common pathway to support each other, I think is really important and a consideration that should be made for sure. So I think that uh, looking into what Femtech can really provide, for example, to, to, to some women's healthcare topics, I see a, a very big potential for, for collaboration. Absolutely. I'm, I'm seeing, um, you know, some kind of quiz that goes viral that says, what's normal? What's not normal? Like, and you take the quiz and at the end, it's like, guess what? You're experiencing normal or guess what? You're not because yeah, uh, sometimes we don't even know. And in yeah. some in some of the topics like menstruation, like menopause, like contraception, what what is normal, what's not normal, what are side effects to expect, what not to expect, 
When should I look for help? I think it, it's, it's really important because if women are not able to identify what's not normal, they will never be treated or reached out for help. Yeah. So I think it, this is really a kind of a, a, um, a very big, the unmet need in women's health is to have this perception of what is not normal and when I need to really do something. Yeah, absolutely. And our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Yeah, well, again, from my humble medical perspective, <laughs> I think I, I would like to raise main, two main points. So first, I think, as I mentioned, femtech really has a, a very important role in breaking taboos and addressing misperception. And for this, it's really important to have high quality content, to have the right partnerships with medical societies, with medical experts, uh, so that uh, women really can have accurate information. No condition or disease should make women feel ashamed or unable to speak or to share. I think debilitating conditions like heavy periods, like vaginal infection are not part of being a woman. They are really issues which can and should be treated. And I think it's really important here that Femtech can support women in identifying these deviations from the normal patterns and also to perceive the impact on their daily lives because sometimes women really didn't, don't recognize how big is the impact. And with Femtech, they can really have access to tracking also the impact on their daily activities, which is important. And second, I also believe that Femtech has really an important role in bringing diverse innovation uh, into health and by providing health solutions for women to support them in the different phases in their lives, being it things ongoing in obstetrics. So there is really a, a lot of, um, um, there are a lot of options uh, to really support women with, with digital um, solutions. To, to make them more, um, yeah, to, to make them go through their lives with more quality and, and in, in a better way. So I think another point that we talked uh, about, like bringing all these discussions around the topics, I think it's also important for femtech. In the end, you see the ability that femtech has to bring women's health topics into the public discussion, into the public arena. And now women's health and topics like menstruation and periods are everywhere because they yeah. are also being presented at investors calls and people are so interested in that, that they are interested in the companies, but also in the symptoms that they, they yeah. help tackling. So that, I was that's gonna really say like, you can't not hear Femtech Focus. Like we start the conversation, every listener, we have 30,000 downloads. Everyone who listens is more empowered to go at home and talk or at work or whatever and talk about their body. So it's- yeah. You haven't heard about periods. You get ready. <laughs> <laughs> and so you see now that that there, there is really this exchange and much more discussion on on different topics like contraception, menopause, sexuality, everything. So and by just promoting this discussion, bringing these topics everywhere, I think we'll, women will also see that they are not alone, and they will empower other women to speak up. Their mothers, their families, their grandmothers. And, and to get the support they need. And, and in the end, I think it's all up to us women who are in this environment, me at Bayer, you uh, in, in your <laughs> venture uh, environment, to really break the silence and create this culture of openness, of really solving problems, of bringing these issues into the public domain. It's about our health. So we have to do it for ourselves. So I, I think it's really a, the basis for success. Oh, I love it. 
Cecilia, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for your time today. I um, appreciate everything you're doing at Bayer and uh, just as an individual. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Brittany. It was really a pleasure. Thank you for listening to my interview with Dr. Cecilia Cateno, Medical Affairs Director of Bayer's Women's Healthcare. Femtech Focus loves having key players in the femtech industry on the show, like Bayer. Already Fem fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review, share it with a friend, and also consider setting up a recurring donation. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org. Sign up to receive our newsletter and know what is happening on the weekly basis, because there's a lot. We have a FemPro membership for $10 a month that gets you access to the FemTech Institute, a library of FemTech and startup lessons that are sure to help you advance your startup or teach you more about the industry in general. And keep an eye out for FemTech Book Club, which happens the last Wednesday of every month. Please, again, consider donating on Giving Tuesday this upcoming month. We would really appreciate it. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. <laughs>